Taxi. I want to go to Romilly Street in Soho. I'm doing a documentary there on the restaurant, but I just want to talk to myself in the on the in the back. But you're welcome to comment if you want. That's no, okay. This is London. I'm in a cab on my way to Soho to a restaurant which is one of the most sought-after culinary delights of this great city. It's called Lindsay House and it's in Romilly Street, Soho. Restaurant critics have raved about Lindsay House. A. Gill, the much-feared restaurant critic of the Sunday Times, Dined there on roast veal sweetbreads with oxtail juices and watercress, followed by torta figs with tobacco syrup. His judgment don't walk, run to Lindsay House. Liz Ryan from the Dublin Evening Herald. To say I'd recommend Lindsay House is an understatement. I'd hijack a plane to go back to it. Her guest Mary's comment on a Jerusalem artichoke, which turned out to be a masterpiece mousse. I'm going to divorce my husband and move to London. I want this mousse every night for the rest of my life. So what is it about Lindsay House that has won it a Michelin star and many other awards, and ultimately such status that one must book a table there weeks in advance? I want to find out. I want to find out particularly because Lindsay House is owned and run by a brilliant young Irish chef, Richard Corrigan, a man who left his home in rural County Meath, let's be plain about this, his home in the bogs of Beliver, with a basic primary education and worked his way up the very difficult culinary ladder to the very top. Richard Corrigan's story is that of a wonderful adventure which still goes on. I'm on my way to Lindsay House to hear that story. I'm going in search of sweetbreads in Soho. Is this all right? This is Romilly Street just here. That's grand. Lovely. Thank you. Okay. Hope your meal goes well. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And here it is. 21 Romilly Street, otherwise known as Lindsay House. Very compact looking, four story townhouse. Not very big, but uh, quite attractive looking. And uh, better go and see if the chef is home. Ring the bell. Hello! 
Hello. How are you, John? Oh, very nice well. Nice to see you. Thank you. This Coming is, in. Uh, you must be, I spoke to you on the phone, you must be. Yes, Thierry. Thierry. General manager. General manager. Come in, oh, Richard, yes. don't be long. Thank you. Alex, come in. This way, John, if you want to follow me. Can I get you a coffee, something? It would be very nice. Thank you. Cappuccino. Coffee. Cappuccino. Cappuccino. Cappuccino, please. Oh, the joys of doing radio documentaries on, on restaurants. Yes. Hello, John. Thanks for coming from Dublin. Thank you. Good it's to see a you. pleasure to be here. I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> John, you have to excuse me, right? I need to have a chat with this okay. chat first. Okay. Do you want to go down to the kitchen or a tick and walk around or anything? Or yeah, I can. I can, can, can I introduce you to the boys in the kitchen? Miss Smith? Uh, yeah, come on down. Okay. These ones, they're hand-caught. The divers go down and they hand-pick them, which means they don't get damaged. And there's no grit and sand in them, you know. They're much better quality. They're always alive when they come, you know. About 6 o'clock tonight, the boat comes in, up, up in Scotland. And about 7 o'clock, I get a phone call from the supplier, and they say, you know, what would you like? We have scallops, we have lobsters tell you how many they have and I say okay can you do me 50 so then about half seven eight o'clock the train leaves Scotland and they come overnight on the train from Scotland and they arrive in London early morning and they're picked up by the supplier here and he delivers them to us you know so they're never you know they're never more than a day you know I would just see a day 12 hours maybe you know 12 hours yeah Those melt in your mouth. You can't chase those. John. Mm. Oh, you have a lump, lump of cod. Oh, look, they're lovely. Thank you. What are you going to have for the main? Dover sole. Mm. <laughs> or scallops. Oh, yeah. That was the first one. They've got squid with them, you know. I don't like the idea of pigeon, really, do you? I know. It sounds like lovely, though. I think it sounds like, yeah, I'm tempted by pigeon. I think pigeon or pigeon or beef. Yeah, and the, the what or per pork. Mm. It's got shoe fruit with it, which I'm very fond of. What's crubine? That sounds Irish. A 35-year-old uh, Irishman with my own business, uh, restaurants in, in London. I came from Elm Grove, previously Robinson, but I can't meet. Brought up in a very simple environment, touched cottage, and probably 
20 acres of bad bogland that tend to be always always flooded but a great household in the sense of food game always a plenty of good salty butter good bread mother was a very good home cook as, as they were in those days and uh, that's really who Richard Corrigan is. Went to the primary in Beliver when the Master Burn was the head teacher. They had one great teacher there, a lady called Mrs. Heine, which I'll, I'll always remember, gave me a great interest to this day in anything history and anything ancient Irish uh, literature great lady, wonderful very passionate about what she taught moved on to Athboy vocational school then uh, never really got motivated by teachers you know, always was my own dreamer you know, I mean, done my own thing and there was an opportunity that came available that I wasn't, I wasn't achieving at school and uh, just to make a break, uh, you know, a friend Ray, Ray Vaughan and the Carwin Arms gave me a break to, to do an apprenticeship as a chef. And I, I said yes straight away because there's something in me that I thought, God, yeah, this is something I could do. You know, it's, it's just... And from that beginning, it grew into a great passion. OK, go. Look at that speck, look. Get there was always a good sense of hospitality in our house as well if if you know, people came, you know what I mean, they were always given something to eat and served and wait on hand and foot. A very old Irish tradition, you know. I don't know if it's still there. I'm sure it is in certain sense, it's still there in rural Ireland. But there was always a good sense of hospitality, which is a very important thing to have when you go into catering. I mean, if you haven't got hospitality, then it doesn't matter if you're a good cook or not, then don't, don't go into catering. Because it's what brings customers to your restaurant, is your hospitality, first of all, then your food, secondly. May I have the um, <laughs> May I have the red mullet to start? Certainly. And the uh, pigeon chips. Can I have some pigeon chips? Thank you. Thanks. So. Yeah, I'd like the uh, foie gras. Yes. And then the pork, please. And also some. Do you do um, have mashed potatoes or something? Yes, we have yes. to every yeah. main course. Oh, well, I just changed it. Irish. Exactly. <laughs> Dad was a very, very keen gardener. I mean, especially with seven, seven is in the house. And we'd always get, God, we'd good orchards down in our house, you know, crab apple trees, cherry trees, pear trees. I mean, we must have around ten different cherry trees around the house. I mean, when I, when I look at those, they were planted by the... the, the Dad's uncles, you know what I mean? I think Tom and Richie, you know what I mean, at the time, in the, probably in the 40s or 30s, 40s. But these, these apples and plum trees, I mean, God, they were, they were so fertile, it was unreal, you know what I mean? It was just laden with plums. The branches would bend with plums every year. And we had the hives of always loads of wild honey hanging around the house and a drainer plate and it draining. It was just, so you just run in and take a 
piece off the cook, uh, honeycomb and just run out and eat it. I mean, you eat the honeycomb and all. It was delicious, you know. It was a real treat as, as children. So, and loads of eels always around the house, you know. We always had a big bat of eels somewhere stuck in a river, you know what I mean, and pump shirt and... We always had a ready supply of good food in our house. So this is the whole basically larger area, which we have lots of stuff in there, like, you know, dreams of ham hock and jelly, of garlic and parsley. We have a small party tonight of 10 people in the Prime's room. Very, very special. So having a crab and artichoke salad, which the basics for that is done. So the crabs came in this morning. They were, they were boiled, picked. Very labour-intensive work. Very, very... I'm going to put my arm into this bright and just pull out something. There's a... I think you call it Kruvin or a pig's foot, you know. I've, I've travelled Europe widely and I've been in London now for 12 years, 12, 13 years. And I think I always refer back to them, them times in Robinson Belaver, you know, and the whole community spirit, really, you know, I mean, the killing of the pig time over in Cones, you know, making up the butter, the big clappers, the churning, milk resting in the dairy. You know, and I'm not being over romantic, but you know, the corn crakes and the curlews down in Robinson Bog, you know, they're still very good memories to me to this day, you know, and it's, it's strange where I am now, but I always refer back to those times in, in Robinson Bliver as a great kind of foundation for where I am now. Simple things, you know what I mean? Good, good game, good fish, good homemade bread and good salty butter. Up here we have the roulade, roulade of foie gras and the ham and the trains of foie gras made for the weekend, as you can say, working in advance. We have a dried tomato... Dried tomato petals in olive oil, which is lightly dried and we kept in olive oil. They're, they're not sun-dried tomatoes, but we do is kind of oven-dried. The ones which we use garnish for a, a dish with a... It's a fillet of red mullet with goat's cheese. I was a very lucky guy to have got a chef like Ray Vaughan to work under. Because you know, Ireland at that time was really... I'll be honest with you, the food was just bloody appalling. You know what I mean? It was just rubbish. I mean, Ray and the local and Sean and Rita Carwin, they did try, in, in all honesty, they did try to run a good hotel, and they did run a good hotel. Uh, it was a, a clean, well-managed hotel at the time when I was there. Ray was, you know, he was a disciplinarian, if anything, you know what I mean? But not by shouting or, or roaring. He just, you know what I mean? You know, if, if, if you've done something wrong, he didn't like it, and that was it. You know, you didn't do it wrong again. And, and Ray really encouraged me to, to do my thing and do it well. And he left me to my own devices, kind of, you know, to, he didn't break me, he just kind of, you know, stand there and do it, this is what I want, you know, go make it. And it was kind of a nice little intro into the catering. And it wasn't a baptism of fire like most kitchens is and are. I think Ray making Christmas puddings for Ray one year, God, he took out this old cookery book or he was his recipe book. And it was, I think it was a five for £15 pound mixture of a Christmas, pudding, a Christmas pudding mix. And, of course, 15 pounds of currants, 15 this, 15 that, and I think it was 15 ounces of uh, of uh, dried almonds or almond powder. And I put, I think it was a 15 pounds of almond powder into the pudding mix. <laughs> oh, God, I'm going to have 40 puddings or something. Oh, I'll never forget it, God. But Ray being the type of guy he was, you know, yeah, he was upset, but, you know what I mean, it wasn't the end of the world. Which is, you know what I mean, a really cool kind of attitude to have in a kitchen. We're considering the expense that I just, you know, ruined. That he, he just kind of, you know, I pushed it and said, look it, you know, next time, you know, be a bit more careful. So he was a, he was a great guy, great, great guy. 
quite an unusual thing, really. It's uh, like a siphon, a cast siphon. I put a kind of a muscus patch into it. When it comes out. He's covered this one, yeah. Lance? Yeah. That's a very good motion, Lance. Yeah. Give me a bit of an expert with this now, aren't you? Remember the first time we made this? First time we attempted something like this. It was on trial and ended up more than a disaster, yeah? Are you going to leave that place like that? Are you going to leave it like that? Yeah. I got a, a job in the new hotel that opened in Calvin Town. And Cavan really was, it could have been the wilds of Africa as far as I was concerned at the time, you know what I mean? It was like I was after coming just in the Bermuda area. Uh, I'd been to Dublin a few times. So I was really a very, you know, countrified kind of a young chef. So moving up to Cavan was great. It was uh, the anticipation of just moving somewhere different, you know, getting out of Mead, moving up to Cavan. And I just say uh, I had a great time when I worked in Cavan. I really enjoyed it. I liked the people a lot. And from there, I, I, I moved to the Netherlands, Holland, and uh, lived there for, for a number of years, and three and a half years altogether. I went straight into Amsterdam, and I certainly gone from, from Mead or Calvin to Amsterdam, I mean, not, without really knowing Dublin. It was, a, it was a culture shock in the extreme. And, but worked with some great people in the Netherlands. Uh, such a wealthy country, most of the people, you know, I mean, there's a, there's a huge middle class in the Netherlands. And, and, and it was a kind of a perfect, perfect country in many ways. So that's why I stayed there for so long and enjoyed it. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, as you know, I moved back to London in, I think it was 1986, 87. And I just stayed in London, really, and, and the rest followed. get into the back the back rooms up this is on our first level up the back stairs this is our total cellar this is our red red section and I mean you have everything here I think you have I, mean, I, have, I think I have cases in here worth maybe 10,000 pounds you know this is a very special and as you can see by the the security arrangements on our doors and the steel fittings around the place oh god yeah so nice stuff here isn't it you know on, on our legs now we have lots of decem Decem 70s and 80s. I mean, you are talking about these great classic wines, you know, you are talking just a small fortune. It's, it's the control, the control for our wine, for our wine boys is just mm. really, really tight and really, really stiff. Mm. Okay, that's right. that's our cellar. Good. How are you doing again, what I would like to maybe uh, to recommend you, which is quite nice, uh, being Spanish, mm. <laughs> and, the la and the like that, like that you, you taste something different right. that, that might go quite well with your starters. It's an Albariño. Albariño is a great variety from northwest Spain, and it's really very refined, quite round, something um, quite pleasant to drink. Um, 
to, to, to go with the lobster under the foie gras if you're going to do it. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, I've, never, <laughs> I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's uh, from the from the region on the top of uh, Portugal. Yeah. What sort of grapes are they? It's uh, Albariño. Albariño oh, is, is the, the, that, the grape. kind of grape. Yeah, they use right. it m- uh, mostly for uh, vino verde in Portugal. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, in in this side of the of the border, uh, the quality is. Um, uh, much better, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sounds lovely. You want Should to try, try that? that? Yeah, yeah. we'll try that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll show you. You will, you will enjoy it. Thanks Thank you very, very much. much. Thank you. Thank you. The first place I worked in London, it was the, the Meridian Hotel in, in, in Piccadilly. Well, there was a great French chef working there at the time. His name was Michel Laurent, who was at one of the great restaurants in France, the Coast Saint-Jacques and the Joanet in Burgundy. It's a legendary restaurant. So to, working under his guidance in the Meridian Hotel at the time was it was indeed a great privilege, you know. And I felt you know being Irish in London and working for this chap, it was even more of a privilege because you know kind of positions I found good positions were few and far between. That as you get up to that pinnacle of of certain areas of cooking. So I, I really enjoyed doing that, and then I went on. From there, and I opened Stephen Bull. He's a group of restaurants in London. I opened Stephen's first restaurant uh, in in Marylebone Lane. It's not Marylebone; it's at Blandford Street, just off Marylebone Lane. And uh, we were Times Restaurant of the Year. We were incredible success. It was the first real minimalist architectural design restaurant in London. And I mean, everything was hand carved. It was a very special place. But I, I stayed there for two years and grew tired of it and I think if I was up to my behind in couscous and black beans and red beans and I just wanted to discover my roots again you know what what Ireland was about you know and I, I moved to Mulligan's in Cork Street I opened an Irish bar and restaurant which was a funny move really coming from the gastro you know what I mean environment that I came from going to a bar basically but it was pre really the whole uh, mass expansion of Irish bars in London. Mulligan's was the first real Irish bar in London. There's no question about that. It was long before the rest. And I started experimenting. You know, I mean, the hams came back in, the tongues, and that country flavours, I would say, start coming back. And that, I would say, was a real foundation for Richard Corrigan's style of cooking. It started in Mulligan's. I started to go back to what I was brought up in, cooking with them basket of seasonal ingredients and just cooking them four seasons of the year. Because in fine gastro restaurants, you're cooking asparagus, you know what I mean, 24, you know, 12 months of the year, you're, it's, you're not cooking seasonally. And I just enjoyed to go back to that, that, that base again, that simplicity. Always use that touch. It's a Soho townhouse, a 1740 Soho townhouse on four levels over basement, so it's five levels. There is three dining areas and one small dining area in the back. On the ground floor, so as you come in, street level, we have 20 seating capacity. On the first floor, we have 30. So that gives us 20, 50 in our restaurants altogether. And we have a private room on the third floor, which caters for up to 20 people. 
and the Ports Corner, which caters for eight. So it, it's, uh, it's big enough for what we do. Mm. So we have a small team of people. We, we're very, very busy. Food with shit all around you. Look, look at the man. Get up and clean up, yeah? Service, please. Hello, hello, service. Come on, guys, yeah? Quickly, man. Please get out. Look at the man on the phone. 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 Look at the man on the Watch these in the sink. Sorry, soapy water. Give him a clean now. Here, you get as well. Now, I want him now. I think when in 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 Mulligans, having come from the fine dining restaurant experience that we that I had, I thought you know I I got to the pinnacle of basically of of that line of what I was doing. Don't ask me where from, but I'm not sure. Wind just blew through me. If this is all so natural, I can make this, you know, I mean, into a really tasty food. And cooking like that was not on fa- it wasn't fashionable in 1991. You know, what I mean, we're talking about couscous days here, you know, in London, high fashion, you know. And I was brining and tongues and curing bellies of bacon. But the reviews came in from Mulligans were quite fantastic. And really, it's almost like, you know what I mean, look towards, you know, your longitudes and latitudes when you're making your menu that, you know, Asian food has no place on my menu overall. You know, that Eastern European food has really no place. You know, in England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, you know, we're damp, wet climates overall with a short summer. So cook hearty dishes can go down very, very well. And, and it suits the people, you know what I mean? It really does, you know. So I started making my own black puddings, which we became very famous for in, in Mulligans. And, uh, I mean, everything was, you know... Relearning all these, you know, very ancient kind of customs. I had done a lot of reading again, you know what I mean? Because, you know, our house would have been simple in Robinson, but to start curing and branding, you're, you're talking about, you know what I mean, the art of the larder, which is a high art indeed, you know what I mean? So when you start making your own chutneys and planning out what you're going to do with, you know, the plums when they're in season, you know, the civil oranges coming in, they're in, in for four weeks, get them in, get them salted. You know, you're, you're starting to have a book of exactly what you're doing, going to do six months in advance. And you're just... Then the discipline starts setting in. You just begin starting to cook with the seasons. I like having wild salmon on my menu, but I would never have farmed salmon on my menu. So we just like to cook from... You know, it's like, you know, from that you know, thing, from the waters in the wild, which is basically what we cook from. You know, wild foods from the, the waters in the wild. Is it from Norfolk? Wood pigeon. Best we've ever seen. We get them from this guy who used to supply our smoke deal. He started sending us these pigeons. Wonderful, really wonderful. I'm just taking it off the bone, yeah? It's much easier for the customer to eat, you know? They'd be resting with it on the plate if I left it on the bone. So take, take all the bones out basically, except for the, the little drumstick bone, the leg, and the wing bone. Emmanuel! Uh, I'll take 
take about four, four or five minutes just to brown them off, and then in the oven maybe another three or four minutes. The lining of the pig's belly we use for like basically a, a, a casting, and we, we wrap meat, braising meats in it beforehand because what it does it keeps it keeps as well as keeping the meat together stops it from breaking up in the braise, braising process it keeps a certain amount of succulence in there as well it's almost like a transfer, transparent uh, natural thing for them that's what the lining we use it on is basically mm. and I'd rather use the lining of the pig something than cling film any day of the week so that's what we use for sounds sounds different but you know, you become accustomed to using every part of the pig, you know, the nose-to-tail-eating attitude. And I hate waste of any description. I hate waste. I take a, a dim view of any chef throwing anything in the bin that is very edible and there's nothing wrong with it, but he's just too lazy to go and prep it. I, I can... He, get a, he can get a near-bashing, to say the least. I remember over in old Mrs McKeown, Katie McKeown... Over in Robinstown, I used to work over there on Saturday helping her out, and she used to she used to make me take the the the, the string out of the, the the flower sacks. I mean, we're talking seventies here, you know, seventy five, seventy six, you know, and things like that stick in my head. Uh, you know, how you know how tight they were. You know what I mean? There was no waste in the house. You know what I mean? It was like if they, if they made the bread, all the flour was scraped off the, the table from the kneading process back in and sieved out and put back in. And, and to see that, I mean, it does. It gives your own impression about waste. And in good country kitchens, there is no waste. I'm cooking them fourteen. You know, that's a lifespan I've done in my in my job. I'm thirty five. You know, what I mean, most people start in our job at twenty, and you know, I mean, they're complaining about a tough life at forty five. You know, I. I, I you know, I'm at the top of my profession. I'll be honest with you. I'm 35. You know, I've got to. Ex- I've realised a lot of my ambitions when it came to the catering end of it. I always wanted to bring this style of cooking to a greater audience, and hence the Lindsay House scenario. You know, what I mean, from the Mulligans to the Lindsay House, and my food has not changed since those days, and I don't think it will change. I mean, I've got lots of chefs come work for me to 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 learn the whole process of the brinings and the curings and the chutneys. So. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's it's quite common the food that we cook really overall. You know what I mean? Fig tart with tobacco syrup is not something that you see in every menu in London. You know what I mean? So, yeah, there is there is a quirkiness about it as well, because when you do a lot of reading and studying and studying and studying, I mean, I, I was reading in the Barbican when I was working there. There's a great library on the library floor, of course, the great library for the city of London. And I was I was I used to go into the the, the gardening area sometimes and read things. And one day I was reading through that thing about uh, it was about figs, and the leaf of the fig has chemical like tobacco properties. So the thing that came into my mind then was you know fig tart tobacco syrup, and you know shock horror the relationship is there. So you know what I mean that that is the uh, from a little idea that springs in your head you know followed the dish comes out of it. So the first time we, we tried it, it was like, yuck, you know what I mean, I must say. And it took a lot of reworking and reworking till we got a bit of a classic on our hands, really, that we have people still coming and asking, can we have the fig tart for tobacco syrup, you know? But we only have figs on in around two months of the year, yeah, when they're in season, basically during the October, November time. And we get great purple figs in. 
Chocolate fondant. Oh god, blue that the blueberry tower with the buttermilk sorbet. Is that the one you had the other time? Or cheeses from Neil's Yard. Is that Neil's Yard Covent Garden? Yeah, yeah. Coconut cream, pineapple, chili and coriander. Or I'm torn between um even the god even prunes sound good here with armagnac mousse. I'm torn what between them. Could you tell us what the madeleines are? Madeleines are like uh, spongy cookies. Spiced. Yes. And then uh, served with um, the decent orange salad and some cream fresh. Oh, they right. are warm. Yeah. Really a nice dessert. It's not too heavy. <laughs> I'm torn between the chocolate fondant and the blueberry tart. What do you think? Or even the cheese. I have the prunes. Oh, John. Thank you. <laughs> oh, God, look. Yeah, no, I think I'm going to go for the blueberry tart. Look, you need truffles as well with coffee. Truffles, wow. wow. Okay, yeah, you go for that. I'll have the prunes, yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll have some of yours. <laughs> and look, a dessert wine as we've run out of the main course wine. I think wow. we should. But nothing too sweet. I don't really like dessert sweet. Maybe if we go back to the main menu and have a dry. You have to remember what Lindsay House is. Lindsay House is just another restaurant at the end of the day. If Lindsay House did not have somebody cracking the whip, you know, them pepper mills, why weren't they polished this morning? You know what I mean? There's things I see every moment, you know. We had yesterday on the table someone had put uh, tulips. You know, they looked like they were on drugs, they were so red. You know what I mean? Get them out of here. Get in some natural, you know what I mean, flowers in this time of the year. I mean, the vases of flowers that came in yesterday morning, I said, phoned them up and I said, get over here in two days' time because he's based outside of London and change them. I'm not happy with them. It's, it is, you know, you are conducting an orchestra. You know what I mean? It's many, many, many fingers, many channels, and you're bringing a whole team from the kitchen, from the front of house... We have wine waiters here, sommeliers. We've so many critics coming to eat in Lindsay House the whole time, and they're looking to be pleased, to write something about you. So we have to be good. There's no room for complacency here at all. Come on, guys, come on, come on! You want to stay working in my kitchen or not? Move your bloody arses! I wouldn't tolerate sloppiness, you know what I mean? I have a pastry chef here that we hired from a... You know, she came from a top-backing restaurant, basically. And she would serve something to a customer that I would in class as rice or not, you know, looked after. And, frankly, she had to go, and she went to the middle of service, unfortunately. But that's me, you know? If you mess up, you go out the door, and that's... We've no time for complacency because people are expecting a lot from this restaurant you know I mean you know I don't intend to you know go bust next year like most restaurants you know I mean they have a lifespan of a couple of years and that's it you know I want Lindsay House to become an institutional an institution in London mm. so there's a huge there's a huge pressure on me to get this place right at all times so and I don't want it to be wrong and I want people to have a good time as part of their hospitality to come here they want a good time I want to give them a good time 
but no, you could never imagine that Soho is just out the window. You could be anywhere, in the middle of Galway or something. Or even fans. Mm. We have a brilliant management team of people here. Malcolm Strammer, you know what I mean, down in the kitchen from Waterford. Brilliant guy with me four years, started off cooking with me basically. Now he's opening a restaurant with my backing in Chelsea. Then we have Gareth O'Brien from West Clare, one of the brilliant chefs as well. And he's with me four years on and off, you know. Mm. So I'm, I'm very lucky in the sense of the team of people that I've built up around me. My staff are very, very loyal to me. I mean, yesterday Musk was in here at after seven o'clock and we left here at half two last night. And that happens often. I mean, we do 20, maybe 20 hours a day here. This is not an eight-hour day job, you know what I mean? I had a young boy come in from Kildalki, County Meath, and he turned around and said to me, he said, it would have been easier to join the Foreign Legion, Richard, than work in your kitchen, and he left the following day, you know what I mean? And that is how tough it is in our kitchen. And being coming from Kildalki, of course, I expected utter brilliance from him, you know what I mean? I don't think he had a hope before he started, the poor chap, but... uh, that, that's, that's what we expect. We expect the best. And if you're Irish, we even expect more from you. Because the, the young Irish guys that come to me, I look at them as a the future Richard Corrigans. You know what I mean? They are the future of what we do. So, like, Malcolm is 21, 26 years old. You know what I mean? Malcolm is going to be one of the great chefs in, in the British Isles in, the, in 10 years' time. The roast, the roasted fillet of beef with, uh, with black peppercorns. And we'll serve that with a truffle mash and uh, some seps. Seps are wild mushrooms, basically, with uh, intense, t- intensely flavoured wild mushrooms. People come to Lindsay House to expect, they expect the best, and it's up to me, you know what I mean, to, to supply them with that. And from our meat that comes from Chessenden Farms, all organic, organic free range. Uh, our salads are from, from Appledore, Mrs Smith, and down Appledore and Kent. You know, we, we try our damnedest to make sure that it's the best we're getting our hands on. And uh, Heel Farm down in Devon, I mean, you're all talking about ancient breeds of pig, you know, the Tamsworth. You know, I mean, there are a lot of them are acorn-fed. I mean, these pigs are bloody royal pigs, these ones, you know. These guys live in the lap of luxury and then get the chop-chop, you know. We pay a fortune for them, you know. So... You know, they wouldn't be fed in uh, boiled mangles and a bit of meal like they'd have in Belive or County Mead, you know, with enough fat on them that you could, you know, I mean, God, think of the fat on the pigs in Ireland at the time, you know. There's more fat than meat, you know. One lobster, three mullets. Go with the four and a two, will you please? Yes? Take the train into work. Here by 9.30 in the morning. Right, straight in, message book waiting for me inside, probably around 10 messages to, to urgently ring back, you know. Come in, talk to all the brigade downstairs, check all the ingredients that has come in, go through all the invoices, make sure everything's top quality. Get on the phone straight away if anything is not, straight back, you know what I mean, replacements, get it sorted out. If Malcolm would have probably have done most of it anyway. The day starts, lunch menu, bang, 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 you know, we need so many starters, the jours, what are they, the daily specials. Okay, staff and situations, you know, I mean, the whole front of house. Then I take a walk from the bottom of the house into every room around every table and start checking the whole building. Make a list of exactly what I'm not happy with. 
Thierry will be in then around 10.30. Have a quick coffee with Thierry. I'm working in the kitchen in the, in the meantime as well. Quick coffee with Thierry and tell Thierry what I'm not happy with and get it all sorted. So Thierry would take the list from me and then he would go on and take care of it back into the kitchen, gene up the guys, making sure everything, the bread is in, you know, it's all hand roll, rolls every day. We need 150 rolls every day, big job. Lunch comes, everything put down, very busy, full-on lunch, stop at 2.30. Four o'clock, straight into the kitchen, mise en place, new menu for the evening, prep all the menu, start doing the whole thing from scratch. Then six o'clock, doors open. Normally full house with a private party in the, in the private dining room. It's full-on, service is chaotic, maniac, mad, you know, and, and we're just hoping it'll all hold together. It does. Everyone leaves happy. It is just, you know, that's a, that's a great buzz for us. Clean down the kitchen, everything away, clean down, totally clean down, everything out of all the fridges, sanitised, washed out, sanitised again, back in, recovered, clean containers, back into the fridges. Write your mise en place list, your preparation list for tomorrow morning, your menu, basically what you're going to be cooking tomorrow morning. Uh, go upstairs, talk to Thierry about every table, any complaints, how was this table, private room, you know what I mean, the whole thing. Staffing arrangements uh, set for tomorrow morning. Then take another walk through the building, check out, go into the staff changing room and think, wow, you know, this needs to be sorted out. There's a broken window, that needs to be fixed. Make a note, another list there and then. And head home, maybe basically we're out of here, maybe quarter past half one. That's on a quiet evening. And head home, sit down, have a mug of tea maybe, crash out. Sometimes wouldn't even make it to the bedroom. You'd fall asleep sitting on a chair. I often have done it. Sit down, you'd fall asleep. Why do I do it? It's an absolute love affair. It's fanatical now. It's more than a love affair. We are we are bordering on being absolute lunatics in the house. Yeah, we we are we are convinced. You know what I mean? Of our of our road in life. We are just totally set in our road in life. You know, for, we love the word excellence. We just love it. We have a love affair with that word. We care, we care. We care a lot here. We want it to be the best restaurant, you know what I mean? We've achieved so much in 18 months. Mm. And, you know, I mean, we got our our Michelin star in January and we've voted Guardian Restaurant and Chef of the Year. And You know, we seem to have came so so far, but we still seem to have so far to go. And a lobster, a mullet, and a lobster, and a crab, yes? All goes back to Robinstown, yeah. It really does. That's where it all came from. Robinstown, Belaiver, County Meat. Oh, that's lovely, isn't it? Mmm. Mm. Yeah, it's lovely. God, that's really gorgeous. Mmm. Mmm. <laughs>